0: First of all, I'd like to show your appreciation to Karen right now who ran off. We didn't rehearse that. That was like just cold. She just punched those buttons. And and I think that she gets a lot. You should give her a big round of applause right now. Because if Karen hadn't been here today and she hadn't just stepped, jumped right in to start punching those buttons, we'd still be singing the first song. Uh, like, you know, the, the old broken record. <laughs> uh, the kingdom will reign over. The kingdom will reign The kingdom will... So, but she was there. Thank you so much. Bless you, Lord. God, we thank you for your faithfulness and for your word. Lord, we know that you declare that you honor your word even above your name. <clears throat> and so often we... We go to any other source except your word when we are searching, when we're hungry, when we are lost. We, we find all sorts of sources to get temporary comfort or temporary wisdom or stuff that makes sense in the moment. And Lord, you are, your word is eternal. Your promises never fail. Lord, open our hearts to receive direction from you this morning. We ask it in Jesus' name, amen. Um, this is, let me just look at this. Oh, okay, so somebody tell me what this is. It's what? Is it our flood? Does it look like our flood? You could kind of see the Llano River in there, couldn't you? Coming down from Llano, uh, running along Highway 29, washing away everything in its path. Um, this, you know, the terrain is kind of the same, but no. This, no, this isn't our flood. <laughs> but But floods kind of look the same, right? When there's water sweeping down and it's crushing everything in its path. <clears throat> this is actually... Uh, taken back in 2013 when a flood swept down the Jordan River in Israel, <laughs> and this is where it crested outside of Jericho. And uh, um, now at this point, everybody should say something like, hmm, or really, okay? Hmm, r- interesting, <laughs> really. Uh, and Uh, and that's all I'm going to say about that for now but I just want you to remember this is the Jordan River at Jericho so I think this is going to be the last Sunday we we do on this topic but um, when the month started we were talking about the fact that basically times change we looked at Ecclesiastes chapter 3 there's a time to give birth, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to uproot what is planted. There's a time to kill. There's a time to heal. The time All the way down, <clears throat> these contrasts. There's a time when it's really, really right to be something, doing some, this one thing, and then suddenly that time has passed. That season has passed. Uh, it may have worked for a while. It may have been good for a while. It may have been important for a while. But it's now time to do something else instead. Maybe even time to do the opposite of what it is that you've been doing all these years. Uh, so we talked about that because, uh, you know, we talked about the more you do what you always did, the more you get what? The more you do what you always did, the more you get what you always got. And sometimes that's exactly right. You want to keep on getting that thing that you always got because it's good and it's important and right. But, but at a certain time, you need to get something else. And that means change. Change. Uh, Kingdom of God is about growth and life and healing and hope, all of which begins with a willingness to change. Because sometimes we just hide behind stuff, even when it's getting old, and we and we know it's time to change, but we we just put off changing because why? Because we're afraid of change. We're af- um, we may not like where we are right now, but it's comfortable. And we don't. If we change, we don't know what's going to happen. Um, life is comfortable. Old shoes—they have holes in the bottom, but they're comfortable. If I get new shoes, I'm just going to get blisters. Um, and it's going to rub my calluses the wrong way. And I don't want to go to all the trouble of breaking in new shoes. I'm just fine with these shoes, or whatever. And sometimes the fear is is bigger fear of making mistakes, fear of being rejected, fear of being laughed out, fear of failing. A lot of times we don't change because we're afraid of failing and getting someplace even worse than where we were, except now people laugh at us and call us stupid because we changed and we thought we had a plan and we didn't have a plan, and now we've... So anyhow, so we need to change. Sometimes God says, it's time to change, and we go... Don't make me change," God says. "Yes, it's time to change." Oh, tell me what this is? It says, "Yeah, that's a, This is a pruning knife that's for grapevines. You can even see it's hard to read these, but it says this is uh, the the engraving says France up there in the, uh, because these are fancy French wine, I mean, fancy French grapevine. Pruners, they didn't. They didn't just go over to Home Depot and get these. These, these are top notch because uh, it says in John chapter fifteen, I am the true vine. My Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, He takes away, which is exactly what happens in and a grapevine if it's if it's diseased, if it's broken, uh, it's no longer producing fruit. You need to Take it out of the way because it's taking energy and uh, nutrients from the rest of the, of the vine that could be making really, really good fruit. So you take that away. And, and even the ones that are producing fruit, he prunes it so that there may be more fruit. And he's like, Jesus, I'm producing fruit. Why are you whittling on me? I thought I finally had it all figured out. I thought I finally understood. I thought I finally had my Christian life just like I wanted it. Oh, well, that's probably a problem right there. Um, why are you pruning me, Lord? Well, like I said earlier, it's not that we think we're being... When we're going through things that are hard, we don't, call it, we don't refer to it as being, pruning, being pruned. When we're going through times that are hard, we refer to it usually as what? Tribulation or an attack. I'm under an attack, and I need to rebuke the devil and tell the devil to get away from me because I'm i am not gonna change. I will not be moved. But then that's when God gets out the design, the, the divine chainsaw. Uh, sometimes it's—sometimes it's not an attack. Sometimes it's pruning. Sometimes God is saying, "I love you. I love you so much. I'm going to prune you so you'll be even more beautiful." even more fruitful. Don't freak out. It's not going to last forever. and You're going to thank me later. Now, when somebody says, don't worry, you'll thank me later, that's always bad news, isn't it? Okay. <clears throat> so, but that's, where, that's another uh, issue around change. Uh, <clears throat> change feels like pruning because it's hard, but it's for the purpose of becoming even more fruitful. So, um, we had this conversation. God has made this is part of of Ecclesiastes after all the times that discusses god 's made everything beautiful, appropriate or beautiful in its time he 's put eternity in our hearts we 're still not going to be able to figure out what he 's doing we have We have an awareness of God in our hearts, but we, d- we can 't understand what it is that he 's doing because we 're not supposed to understand. Um, we just have to trust him in the middle of pruning that he's going to continue to take care of us. The right place, the right time, the right plan always turns into something beautiful. And then we've been contemplating this question for the last few weeks. Listening carefully as if God was just sitting right next to you, can you hear his voice say to you, just between you and him, not my sermon, but just between you and him, my child, you know, don't you? Now it's time. Now is the time for what? And some of us have been listening to God over the last couple of weeks for a specific word from the Lord. What is it that we know God has said to us, it's time for a change. What is it? Now is the time for what? What's the next chapter in my life? What's the next direction in my life? What the next change in my life. Right, so then, uh, and then last week we talked about step one, which was, if you think you've heard something from God about my child, you, now is the time for whatever the next step is, whatever the next topic. Maybe you don't have a clear direction, but you know he's been, he's been nudging you in a certain direction. And tell at least one person what you think you've heard from God about what it is time to change. And they ask that person to pray for you that you would have the strength, the wisdom, and the faith you need to walk out this new season in your life. The reason it's important to tell one person, at least one person, is because we have this promise in James chapter 5. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. Now, confess just means to bring it out of the open and and speak it and discuss it and uh, accept a certain amount of accountability for it. I'm not intending just because i picked this verse out of james doesn't mean i'm intending that to, to imply that where you have been is a sinful place and now god wants to bring you into a not sinful place because to tell you the truth where we live most of the time we're just right on the edge of sinful it's not like we're gonna ooh, i'm finally delivered of sin and i'm gonna be perfect from now on if i just make this change um, the devil is attacking us in our weaknesses. But it's, it's more like this. It's not always about sin as much as it is about honesty and accountability. It's hard to achieve meaningful change when you're doing it all alone in secret. We think we'll do it all alone by ourselves and then people will just notice, hey, you're different. How did you do it? When you, when you hold it all on inside, then, first of all, you never really have to work on it. And because once you ask somebody to, to pray for you and you tell them you know, what, God is, what you feel like God is, is encouraging to do in that next step, then they're praying for you and they're going to do what else? They're going to they're call you on the phone or send you an email or meet you for lunch and they're going to say, so how are you doing with that thing? Right, what? how can I pray for you today about that thing? And so there's, there's some power there about saying, oh, I've got to follow through on this because I'm going to have lunch with Laura, Laura today and I know she's going to ask me. Uh, and so I made up a dumb excuse last week why I didn't do anything. But she's not going to let me get away with it two weeks in a row. So, okay God, I'm, here I go. So, there's, there is power in accountability. If you believe that God has spoken to you about a new step, a new season, a change, <clears throat> then it's important to trust one person enough to say, here's what, I th- here's what I think God has said to me, would you please pray for me? Um... There's freedom in that. And there's very often healing that comes from that because most of of the things that make us sick get worse when we hold them inside. Anybody can vouch for that, how that happens sometimes? Confess, pray for each other, healing comes. Okay, but... After that, that was step one last week, and now here's step two. Step two involves taking a step. I love this passage. This is a passage from Luke chapter 17, 11 through 19. I'm just, I'm just going to read it to you. I know you can read, but I like to read it too. Now, on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus was traveling along the border between Samaria and Galilee. Galilee is the southern part of Israel. Samaria is the northern part of Israel, and Samaria was filled with Samaritans who were left over from Samaritans who were a culture that was left over, actually from the, the invasion of the Assyrians in the 700 BCE. Uh, they destroyed the kingdom of Israel uh they didn't ever get down to the kingdom of judah but the king of israel eventually morphed into the 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 land of the samaritans who were the land of the samaritans were semi-jewish they kind of believed some jewish stuff but it was mixed in with some other stuff and they set up their own temple and they were going to be really cool and we're going to be better than the jews and it didn't really turn out very well for them uh but as he was going into a village ten men who had leprosy met him well they kind of met him it's not like they shook hands or anything because they had to stand at a distance because lepers weren't allowed to get within like a 100 yards of n- regular people uh, because they didn't know about infections in those days, but they did know that, uh, that, that people with leprosy were ritually unclean. And if you touch somebody, if a leper touched a regular person, then that other person became unclean. And then they had to go through all sorts of purification and they couldn't go to the temple and they couldn't pray and God couldn't bless them and so that was by law, lepers had to stay away from everybody. They stood at a distance and they called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. Now, I think most of you are familiar enough with the Bible to know that very often when people who were ill or suffering came to Jesus and they said, Jesus Christ, Son of David, have mercy on me, what would Jesus do? By by doing what, he would go over. He would lay hands on them. You know, blind people. He he touched their eyes. Um, dead people. You bring. The, I mean, it's not in every case. Sometimes he healed people for long distance. Like, you know, when the centurion came and said, "My daughter is dying," and Jesus said, "Wait, I'll go to her." And the centurion said, "You don't have to go to her. You just command her to be healed." I know what it likes to command people, so she got healed for, like from long distance. But most of the time, Jesus touched people. He got right in their face and he ministered to them and he talked to them and he engaged them. But in this case, apparently, so they, these lepers stood at the a distance, they called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. And when he saw them, he said, go show yourself to the priests. Don't come over here. Stay over there. Just go show yourself to the priests. Now, this was, of all the crazy, life-changing, bizarre things that Jesus ever told somebody, this was the 100% nuttiest thing that Jesus ever told anybody to do. Because what's going to happen when a bunch of lepers show up in Jerusalem at the temple? They're going to get stoned to death and <clears throat> because it's against the law for them to approach the temple. It's against the law for them to... kick. Uh, close to the priest. It's a, they couldn't make it against the law to be a leper, but they could make it against the law for lepers to go anywhere close to anything that had to do with the sacred areas and the sacred people of the Hebrew faith. So when Jesus was saying to them, go show yourself to the priest, he might as well be saying, Go jump in front of a bus. Because there's a death sentence. Now, in the Deuteronomic Levitical law, if you had leprosy and you thought you were cleansed, you thought you were healed, you were not allowed to go back into normal human, normal life until you showed yourself to a priest and the priest would look at you somehow... And certify that you were healed from leprosy. That's the only way you could be declared clean again. So this was a step that you had to do. If you wanted to go back into normal life, you had to go uh, face the religious authorities. And Jesus didn't say, in this case, he didn't say, I'm laying hands on you uh, or I'm waving at you. I'm not going to exactly lay hands on you, but hello, um, now you're healed. Go show yourself to the priest. He just said... Go show yourself to the priest. Death sentence. And they did what he said. As near as we can tell, none of them said, uh, What was that again? I thought you said, Go show ourselves to the priest, but that couldn't be right. Oh, it was right. Can we talk about this? Isn't there some other kind of a plan? Jesus, I I knew a guy once who tried exactly what you're suggesting, didn't work out well for him. Oh, th- there, wasn't any, there wasn't any of that. Would you repeat that? It wasn't any of that. Is there another plan we could follow? None of that. Jesus just said, go show yourself to the priests. And so they turned around and they headed for Jerusalem. Now, sometimes God asks us to do things that are hard. Sometimes God asks us to do things that are That surprised us because we didn't have any idea that God would ever ask us in a million years to do something this weird or this crazy or this hard. We're pretty sure God asked us to do it. But when we hear something that surprises us when it comes from God, what do we always do? Uh, No, that wasn't. I I heard this crazy thing in my prayer time this morning and I was praying for God to speak to me and he spoke to me, but he told me something that I don't think God would ever tell me. So please tell me this wasn't from God. Um, because it's scary and it's hard and it's uh, and it's not what I wanted to hear. All these ten lepers, they expected. You know this, right? When they were saying, "Jesus, please have mercy on us," all of them, they had heard that Jesus healed people. That's the why they came in the first place. And so there's Jesus, and they're saying, "Jesus, have mercy on us." They all expected for Jesus to say, do something super spiritual and impressive, uh, and say like, "In the name of." Me, be healed. And then they would all get healed. They'd be like, yay, high five. Hug, you know, and hug each other and run up in the hall, hug Jesus, and then I'll, I'll go get a sandwich or something and, and hang out together. They didn't expect Jesus to say, don't talk to me. I'm, you gotta, if you want to be certified healed, you've got to go see the priest. It, it was not what they expected to hear. It's not what they wanted to hear. Sometimes we ask God to give us direction and he gives us something that we don't want to hear. And so against all odds, and I don't know what was more amazing, that Jesus gave them this instruction or that they obeyed it. But they did what they clearly heard him, ask him to do, and as they went, they were cleansed. As they turned around, and as they started, as they set their face towards Jerusalem, which is a long trip, probably 50 miles, 60 miles, uh, a long trip. Now, not only do we have to walk all the way to Jerusalem, but we're probably going to get killed when we get there. But they turned around at the direction of the voice of God, and they did what he asked. And I have to assume they didn't have to wait till they almost got all the way to Jerusalem before they got healed, because we have this next part. One of them, when he saw he was healed came back praising God in a loud voice, and he threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and this guy was a Samaritan. And Jesus says, weren't, they all, weren't all ten of you clean? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Jesus said, well, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. When did we know that this Samaritan had faith? When he turned around and, and stepped forward. When he, when he did what Jesus said we have to do. We have, this, we have this mistake about faith. We think that faith is just positive thinking. I've asked God to heal me. I've asked God to answer this prayer. I've asked God to do this thing for me. And now I think he will. 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 Faith is, doesn't work like that. Faith is when you hear from God and you do what he says. <laughs> um, all ten of these lepers heard from God. And they obeyed. In spite of the fact that it was crazy. They all turned. They all started. And Jesus says very clearly, they were all all cleansed. Thank you for coming back and telling me. Thank you. Uh, But they demonstrated their faith when they took that step. So... Here we are. After a couple of weeks of talking about this, it's time for a change. It's time for a change. It's time to do something. Well, let me say this. Maybe God hasn't told you it's time for something to change. Maybe all of your seasons right now, you know for sure, 100% for sure, you're exactly where you are, and all your seasons are, are fine, and you didn't hear God tell you it's time to change anything. Uh, that's okay, I'm not God, I don't know what's going on in your life, and maybe you are just perfectly where you're supposed to be, and God doesn't do, need to do any tweaking right now in any way. Um, so I'm not trying to make anybody feel guilty here, but if you have heard something, or you've got this sense that there's a time for it to make a change in your life, and, and you think maybe it's coming from God, you've got to take a step. Step one was just telling somebody. Step two is making beginning of a... I mean, maybe you need to make a phone call to somebody. Maybe you need to sit down and rewrite your schedule. Maybe you need... I don't know, I don't know what he's told you. I don't know what he may have revealed to you. Um, but for these lepers... Jesus asked them, I mean, it was a, it was a scary sacrifice. It was, <clears throat> they only took one step, but it was a terrifying first step. They had to have a lot of confidence in Jesus to be faithful to them. They only took maybe one or two steps, or maybe they got around the, went around the block. Uh, but in the process of, of doing what he said to do, the power of God was released and healing took place. Which brings us back to this picture again: Jordan River. <clears throat> Some of you might remember uh, Joshua chapter three. Children of Israel have been spent forty years in the wilderness because they had a chance to go to the promised land right away from Egypt. They freaked out; they were too afraid. There's giants in the land. They make us feel like grasshoppers. We don't, God, we don't want any blessings from you. Please don't, please don't make us go into the promised land. Please don't make us go in where, where it's, to a land that's flowing with milk and honey. Please don't make us go somewhere that's f- full of uh, grapes, uh, that uh, clusters of grapes that are so big that it took two people and a big stick on their shoulders just to carry a couple of clusters of grapes back. Please don't make us go into a land flowing with milk and honey because there's some scary things in there and we'd rather stay out here in the desert and suffer or go back to to Egypt and and become slaves again than to go into this place where you want us to go. Please don't make us go in there. So God said, fine, you don't have to go in there. You'll spend 40 years in the wilderness until all of you folks who didn't want to go in are dead. Well, since you put it this way, too late. But now after 40 years, they've come back around. They're at the banks of the Jordan River. And God said, okay, we're going to try this again. What I need you to do is get one strong guy from each of the 12 tribes. I want you to, we're going to get some big long poles. We're going to put the, the Ark of the Covenant on their shoulders. And you just need to step into the middle of the Jordan River. When you step into the middle of the Jordan River, I promise you, the flow of the water will be stopped and everybody will be able to walk into the promised land on dry land. Now, the Jordan River doesn't always look like this, but the Jordan River is always a river. (laughs) And it always has a current, and it's really pretty deep. Um, And they're carrying the Ark of the Covenant, the most sacred piece of furniture in the history of God's people. And they've got a million people that need to cross the river. Just, but you have to go and stand in the middle of the river. The river won't stop running until you take a step. You can't just stand there on the banks of the river, like you're at a crosswalk. You know, it's like beep, 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 beep. That light's never gonna change. You're gonna be standing, if you're waiting for the light to change, if you're waiting for something unique to happen, if you're waiting for the water to stop, if you're waiting for the obstacles to get completely moved out of the way, if you're waiting for anything to make it easier than it already looks, you're going to just be standing there saying, I heard from God. God said, uh, I want you to step out. And, I want you to cross the Jordan River. Uh, you just step, But you have to take a step. The f- when you take the first step, the power of God begins to be revealed. As long as you aren't moving, God's not moving. God can't steer a parked car. Amen, Carl? God can't steer a parked car. God can promise you all sorts of blessings uh, with that car, but if, you're not, if a car is parked and it's not moving, God can't steer it. So, Maybe right now, whatever direction, whatever change God has spoken to you, maybe you're standing on the bank and it looks like this. And you don't know what to do. And what if I get swept away? And what if I slip? And what if I drop the ark? And what if I mess it all up? And what if it doesn't work? And what if, what if, what if, or what if? So, if you are content to spend the rest of your life with leprosy, or if you're content spending the rest of your life standing on the bank and looking at the promised land on the other side, if you're content to stay in the season that you are in, fine, Jesus will still love you, and you'll stay stuck. Jesus has made us a promise. take a step in the direction that he's already called you to go. And I think he'll tell you what that, or already told you one step, you have to tell somebody so they can pray for you. And then you've got to take one step towards making that change and the power of God will be revealed to do all the rest. Um, God's, God hasn't promised to make it easy. God's just promised to make it happen. If you're ready to take that step. And if you're not sure what the next step is, then go to that person that God has already said to ask you to pray for them. And you and that person pray together and God will show you what the next step is supposed to be. But don't do nothing and expect for this, expect for the next thing that God has planned for you to be manifested. All right? Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus. Oh, we hate this. Lord, we hate change. We hate scary stuff. We hate stepping into rivers that are flooding. We don't, want to, we don't want to hike all the way to Jerusalem and run the risk of being rejected by the authorities. We want to be safe and we want to be comfortable and we just want our life to be perfect and we don't want to have to do anything. Lord, it's just, just sit there and let your love wash, wash over us. We hate being pruned. And we're afraid of changing. We're tired of being deceived, Lord. We're tired of settling for the best we can do instead of receiving from you the best that you want to do. So Jesus Christ, Son of David, have mercy on us. Show us, Lord, the next step in the season of change. Give us the faith, the courage, the anticipation to just follow you in it and obey you. In Jesus' name, amen.